Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Today on State of Ukraine, how the Ukrainian military is preparing new recruits for the battlefield. Ukraine is conscripting thousands of new soldiers to make up for heavy casualties, both deaths and injuries, that they're taking on the battlefield. NPR's Frank Langfitt recently did some reporting on the Ukrainian military's training in the Donbass region, and he joins me here. Hi, Frank. Hi, Greg. You were reporting on how Ukraine is conscripting thousands of new soldiers to make up for heavy casualties, both deaths and injuries that they're experiencing on the battlefield. This reporting is because you wanted to see how these new recruits are being trained? Yeah, I've been very interested in this because covering this war, as you know, a lot of it actually is nuts and bolts. Does the Ukrainian army have the weapons they need? And are they getting the training that they need to be able to fight effectively against the Russians? And I, I got the idea for this actually at breakfast one day at a hotel back in August where I met these foreign military volunteers. These are former military from Sweden and the U.S. And they were here teaching fighting skills. And one of the things they said to me over breakfast was, you know, we just don't feel we're getting anywhere near enough time with the conscripts before they get sent to the front lines. And so I stayed in touch with these guys. And, you know, on, on this most recent reporting trip to Ukraine, I went out and got to watch them train new troops. All right, let's listen to some of your report. So there are about 15 border force soldiers basically lying on the ground, this snow-covered field. And they're learning how to cock and fire their weapons, fortunately, with no bullets in them at the moment. Hello, I'm Magnus. I'm an instructor from Sweden. Magnus X served as a lieutenant in the Swedish army. He spent months here training Ukrainian troops. As the conscripts stand in line, X shows each one how to hold an AK-47. Try to put this here, here, on here, like this. Can I borrow? So he's showing him how to put it on his shoulder and get his eye down right on the sight. Eck teaches through humor. He twists his body like a pretzel, aiming the gun in various directions to show soldiers what they shouldn't do. Some of the conscripts can't help but laugh. So funny. So funny. But the situation here, it's no joke. For these conscripts, this is their seventh day as soldiers. Before, they worked as electricians, welders, and construction workers. Volodymyr, he doesn't want to give his full name, is 36 years old and worked in a blast furnace. He finds Magnus's instruction entertaining and useful. Absolutely. You learn how to handle a gun, how to assemble it, disassemble it, to understand how it operates, how it shoots. Have you worked with guns before? No, never. When was the first time you picked up a rifle? Yesterday. Ek has just one day with Volodymyr and his fellow conscripts. He won't even have the opportunity to do something very basic show them how to adjust the sights to their rifles so they can aim accurately. It's called zeroing a gun. They did not want to zero the guns. Not enough time? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some other time. Lieutenant Colonel Vyacheslav Andrusenko is deputy head of combat training for Ukraine's border force. He says these conscripts will get about 17 days of instruction. By comparison, basic training in the U.S. Army is 10 weeks. So I ask him, if you were able to, how long would you give them training? I believe in order to be efficient so they can do their tasks, they all need at least 35 days. How do you feel? 
Ну, як я почуваюся? How do I feel? Well, I'd say I'm concerned. I'm a bit concerned. I just hope that everything we give them, they will use in battle, and it will help them to do their tasks to the maximum potential. Kelly Kilhoffer is a retired colonel in the U.S. Army Reserve. On a couple of occasions, he says he was able to get three to four weeks with soldiers. Far more often, he got three to five days. Kilhoffer, who's now back in the U.S., raised concerns. I was talking to the Ukrainian officer. I'm like, look, if we had more time, these guys would last longer. And he said, well, they got three days training, and they've learned, they've adapted, and they're doing great. And I said, well, yeah, but you're talking to the alive ones. I said, you're not talking to the dead ones. One of the dead ones was a gung-ho Ukrainian graphic artist turned soldier named Ed. His passing hit Kilhoffer hard, as well as Kilhoffer's training team, which included Magnus Eck and a retired U.S. Marine staff sergeant named Stan. Ed was a favorite. Really funny guy. Always a big smile. Train and train and train. He'd load up extra magazines. He'd practice shooting. And and his total duration of military service was less than two weeks, from conscription to death. I have him on signal. His phone is done. Like, uh, I used to send him messages. Sorry, I'm like tearing. That was Stan, referring to the encrypted messaging app Signal, which is how he stayed in touch with Ed. Stan says Ed died on his first mission an assault on a Russian trench line that went wrong. Minefield, lost both legs. They couldn't retrieve him, and he's still out there to this day. And this really hurts the most that they said that they heard him. They still heard him. The foreign volunteers say they come here for various reasons. Kilhoffer says he saw Russia as a bully and was appalled by the human rights abuses. Eck wanted to put his skills to use from a decade as an instructor in Sweden. And then there's another team member, Shannon Taylor, She's a 25-year-old trauma nurse from New Zealand who provides battlefield first aid training. She was inspired by a TV show about combat nurses in World War I. It's when these five nurses found, like, an abandoned building and they developed it into a field hospital and they just treated all the wounded soldiers. And since then, like, I've always just wanted to do that. Stan, who said he didn't want to use his full name for privacy reasons, sees himself as something of a crusader. He also says there's a common thread among those drawn to this war. Atonement, a lot of people escaping their past, escaping supposedly sins that they think they have the chance to, I guess, uh, redo and make the cosmos good again. Stan did not elaborate. Back at the training range, a group of soldiers huddle around Taylor, kneeling in the snow, showing them how to patch an abdominal wound. Do not apply pressure. You just want to apply the wetness to the abdominal area, wrap it around just to keep it in place. With the abdominal wounds, you want to make sure you don't push anything, intestines, nothing back inside. Speaking in the team's apartment, Taylor says the training is paying off. One soldier she trained told her he was able to treat two others in the field. One had suffered a head wound, the other lost half his hand. He just walked in the door and gave me a massive hug and said that, yeah, he was able to use those skills and from the time that I had spent with him to rescue these two guys, that just made it all worth it. Taylor had planned to fly back to New Zealand in January, but she's delayed her return. She says she wants to stay in Ukraine as long as she can. Frank Langford, NPR News, Kramatorsk.
Fascinating reporting, Frank. I mean, it's something you don't think about very much is who else is participating in this effort that aren't Ukrainians. And it was really interesting, the gentleman who said that, you know, a lot of people are sort of escaping their other lives. As you have seen, war zones are magnets for a lot of different kinds of people for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I think the self-selection is very, very interesting. And I mean, in some ways, it's an extreme version, but you can understand why people who are, and there are other people I've talked to for other stories about volunteer work, where some of them would say, you know, I wasn't really doing anything with my life. I didn't think I was doing anything meaningful. It was just like a workaday life. And then they're drawn to this sort of extraordinary event that's also very, very dangerous. Yeah. And it sounds like Ukraine is uh, at this point, like dependent on them or relying on them to train all these people. As, as your story points out, they're, they're training, you know, electrical workers and construction workers and graphic artists to pick up weapons. So they need the expertise that these foreign individuals are bringing. People have described it to me. It is an all hands on deck war. Certainly it's massive, biggest since 45 in Europe. And so while they have Ukrainian trainers, and sometimes they will get more time with the conscripts, it's clear that they do need this help. And they, just like they need all the weaponry from the West, they need a lot of support. And they're happy to get it from foreigners who are willing to volunteer and have some expertise. Well, thanks for bringing us this reporting, Frank. Great to talk, Greg. Thanks for listening to The State of Ukraine from NPR News. Please come back for more on the war and its impacts around the world. The economy right now is bewildering, impenetrable, inconceivable. Not when you have the indicator of podcast in your ears. In under 10 minutes every day, we simplify the complicated news like... How does inflation drop? What the heck is a SPAC? Why are trendy little high-fiber sodas suddenly dominating store shelves? And more. Listen to The Indicator from Planet Money and NPR. On NPR's Throughline... We cannot function for 24 hours without COBOL because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be like that at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. <laughs> 